0: Five-Year Mission, the podcast, episode 51.
1: This episode of Five-Year Mission, the podcast is brought to you by Fansets, your home for all things pop culture pin related. Head over to fansets.com and see all that they have to offer. And also stay tuned at the end of the episode for a very special offer from us here at Five-Year Mission. Bye now. Welcome to Five-Year Mission, the podcast, the only podcast hosted by a band called Five-Year Mission. I am one of your hosts, Andy Fark. Uh, joining me tonight, Mike Rittenhouse. Hi. <laughs> Chris Spurgeon. Hello. And Mr. Brain Delay himself, Noah Butler.
0: Hello, everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are hopping back into a, a fan-favorite series. This has been going on since the old Tricorder Transmission days. Since the beginning. Oh, yeah,
2: Tricorder Transmission. Yeah. It has. I
1: forgot that's how we started yeah. it. And then we transferred it over to ourselves. Yeah. Because we are the owners of a lonely heart and intellectual property. <laughs> nice reference. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <clears throat> it's much better than a...
3: To be clear, we are the owners of Five-Year Mission's music and lyrics and not the owners of anything related to Star Trek. <laughs> <Correct>.
1: Valid point. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: we are the owners now of the What Are Little Songs Made Of series, so we're, let's continue with that now. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, next in line, we have The City on the Edge of Forever, one of the, probably one of Chris's biggest challenges because it was the first, one of the first, like, <clears throat> big, like, top five fan favorite episodes out of, like, pretty much anybody that you pull about the original series.
2: Somehow... I kept getting fan-favorite episodes, <laughs> but this one was definitely the heaviest oh, God, yeah, of all.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got you got a bunch of craziness happening, like literal craziness, and you had a love story, and you got time travel, and... Uh, well, let's talk about the episode. Yeah, let's talk about the episode. Well, yeah, that's the episode. I was recapping slowly but surely. <laughs>
0: In your summary, uh, Andy, in your summary, you you did leave out death, horrible, painful, emotionally That comes at the end,
1: Noah. I didn't want to do a spoiler. That's the only part you
0: left out. It's the only part. I didn't want to do a spoiler
1: for the I didn't say
0: who I I didn't say who died.
1: Oh, well we're gonna cover that and I remember that that uh, after we met her we could still smell her perfume for ten minutes.
0: Oh yeah! Oh, that's right.
1: What's we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that? I think <laughs>
2: saying we met her is
1: generous. <laughs> we we crossed paths she, with her. She crossed paths with <laughs> us. Yes. To be did, more fair, did
3: she poop in our bathroom?
1: No, <laughs> she did not poop in our bathroom. That, I don't. No, that was, was that was Brent Spiner. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. he, and he also did took advantage of the uh, all you can eat shrimp that was in our bathroom. It was
3: also Kirsty Alley. Oh, Kirsty Alley yeah. also pooped in our bathroom.
1: Wow, name drop. Fine. Left and right. Fine. Michael Jackson did not come <laughs> by our Jackson. house and use <laughs> our bathroom. sister did. It's Mike knows what I'm talking about. I do too.
2: Okay. So this, uh, this is one of those episodes that I did not have to rewatch prior to talking about it because oh, yeah. I've seen it so many times.
1: <laughs> because you had to watch it so many times to write the damn song.
2: I, I had to see it so many times on purpose and also just because I like it. Mm-hmm. So I've seen it a lot, but... This episode was actually originally penned by the great late harlan harlan Ellison, Ellison. Yeah. and we did we had the opportunity to meet him oh multiple and days love love the guy unfortunately, he is no longer with us yeah, and I've actually read the original screenplay and it's similar to the to how the show turned out mm-hmm. but um it's a little darker. Oh yeah, uh, but I, I really, I really like both mm-hmm. for different reasons.
1: Did you get the Juan Ortiz uh, inked uh, version of it?
2: Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, yes, I believe so. Um, I got the. I have like the novelization, and I also have the graphic
3: novel. The graphic so, novel, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, not novelization, but it's just like a screenplay in a book. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not really a novel. It's just a bound screenplay.
3: I do have the issues of that graphic novel available at Hero House. At Hero House Comics. Eleven Twelve Prospect
1: Prospect Street. Indianapolis, Indiana. Heart of Beautiful Film Square.
0: Dun, dun, dun. And if you're a fan of Harlan Ellison, I would highly recommend the documentary called, um, I think it's called Dreams with Teeth. Yes. Um, uh, It was really fun to see him in action in that, um, because we got to meet him and it was a very similar... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's he's very true. The way he is in the documentary is the way he was in, in real life. It's, oh, yeah. Was you know, a pl- he was a riot.
2: Interesting aside uh, related to Harlan Ellison, he wrote a story called I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, mm. and it's really good and dark and sci-fi, and it's just a cool story. And in the 80s, I believe, 80s, or early 90s, a video game was Created based off of this story What? And you can still find it It's called I Have No Mouth And I Must Scream And it is A really twisted Dark Story Just really interesting With The ending is as bleak As the ending of Of the 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 story itself So I encourage you to (laughs) Seek it out Because it's kind of a weird, neat yeah. piece of video game history. Huh. But anyway, anyway, back to the story. Harlan yeah. Ellison wrote originally the original screenplay for the City on the Age of Forever, and it is a dark tale of Ooh. time travel <laughs> and love. I got Mike with that one. Love lost. It's just great. I don't know what they're laughing about. Because <laughs> you said you said dark and I went, Woo. So you- oh, Ducktales. Okay, I didn't catch that. Did that you get Mike? It? Really got that one. So Andy's now made a Ducktales reference. <laughs> so that's good.
0: We need to tag all of these uh, references for the for for Twitter. Yes. At the end, because you know Ducktales might retweet us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I
2: mean,
3: do we do we need to give a synopsis of the episode?
1: I think pretty much, yeah, I think we do.
3: Okay. Just in At case. At least a brief one, you know. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm sure anyone listening to this knows what we're talking about. Oh, but. yeah.
2: So, yeah. if you don't know the story, basically, Kirk and Bones and Spock go in some other, you know, Uhura's even there on, the, on this planet where and they and run Scotty. in and Scotty and they run into this thing called the guardian it's basically this it's called the guardian of forever sorry mm-hmm. and it basically it's kind of a um, donut it, it looks like a big donut <laughs> <Bro-nut>. <laughs> it's like a proprietor of time <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it keeps time in order um, but can also facilitate time travel and bones gets messed up by some drug and he goes flailing into it and ends up in the past and killers assassins! Yeah, and changes time so like the Enterprise disappears, and so Kirk and Spock jump in after him, um, with the Guardian's help, kind of puts them in the same place, but they're there too early, and so they end up meeting a woman called Edith Keeler, who she runs... She is a sister Edith Keeler at a shelter, and she helps him out. Long story short, Kirk falls in love, finds out that in order for history to be undisturbed by their presence edith keeler dies and he has Must to be. let her die and so it's this story where uh, it's a it's a complicated mor- moral tale where kirk knows that he could save her but he also knows that if he does Horrible things could happen, and through through the episode, Spock finds out exactly what those horrible things could be, like the Nazis winning. Yeah, like the Nazis, win, Nazis winning. So it's, um, and I mean, I can't really explain that, but <laughs> it's unimportant.
1: <laughs> well, it's because of they because of the atom bomb.
3: Yeah, but I, I will say it's that this, it's the butterfly effect, man. Yeah, it's the butterfly effect. <laughs> that but movie with uh, Ashton Kutcher. It's about time travel. All right, and it's a love story. It's not terrible. Yes, it is. Well, it's
2: not good. But um,
3: right. the uh, Paradise
2: Syndrome, you know, Kirk ends up on uh, this planet where he gets married and he's got a pregnant wife and she is literally stoned to death. <laughs> and he seems more chipper after that than he does at the end of this episode. He Dude. is just like, he, I think it is the last line they're they're leaving and he says, Let's get the hell out of here. He just is (laughs) that's he doesn't say anything for like the last five minutes of the episode except that he just is done. He's had it. Mm -hmm. He has lost his this woman he fell in love with. And uh, I think it's interesting that. So, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, Edith Edith Keeler dies. (laughs) Um, What? Yeah, too bad. I think the statute of limitations has run out on I think spoilers so. on that one. I think so. It's been, uh, been over fifty years. And and the situation when this happens is uh uh Bones has been in this fugue state. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Kinda so yeah. and he's just like just waking up and uh Spock and, and Bones and and Kirker just uh all just reunited and Edith is crossing the street and this truck is coming towards her and Bones doesn't realize that he to save her destroys history basically mm-hmm. and Kirk is the one that holds Bones back from going to save her and so not only does he not save her yeah. but he prevents someone else from saving her and of course Spock is just sitting there like mm-hmm, do, do yep. you
5: realize what you've done <laughs> yeah
2: and he's and No, no. Spock is like he Yeah, he he does.
3: He does, Doctor.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean Kirk is like beside himself. So it's it's a real I mean, it's a powerful story, and I think that's why it's one of the most loved stories in Star Trek, which made it really daunting to have Mm -hmm. to write a song about
1: it. Well, this is like before like that kind of became like a time travel trope. It's like it's like if this person if this person stays alive, this thing's bad thing's going to happen, but you know, they have to die in order for time to progress in like a linear manner that we all know f- to this day. Yeah. yeah. It
3: was definitely one, one of the first stories that dealt with that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, this was like the er- like early days of like that kind of like time travel science <laughs> fiction that wasn't just like, we're going to do a steampunk universe type thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You, you kind of take for, um, I mean, there had been, time travel like uh yeah. you know the time machine is yeah. obviously oh, yeah. but that was and actually the time machine went into kind of a dystopian future oh, in, paradox
3: kind of thing yeah. and
2: and this one goes into the past i mean it's completely it's but really completely the, the, different the, but the it,
3: time machine didn't deal with the with the paradox though it right. it, it just showed him it went, what the future, the future. has yeah. well
2: eventually he went to the future yeah yeah um
0: isn't but, there is not a is not there a scene in um city on the edge of forever where uh, Kirk is holding up a photograph of like himself and and Spock and McCoy, and they they kind of start disappearing as the <laughs> event. right? Is that right? Is I, that, I, I think that right? I
3: think that's another one. That's a that's a, that different a different episode. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kirk Kirk goes back in time and accidentally breaks up his parents. You're
2: thinking of Star
3: Wars. Oh, that's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're thinking of the secret of my success.
2: Maybe it was in He Man. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, this was this was a hard episode. To, I think this was the last song that I wrote f- for this album, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think he had all the for other ones two, done. Yeah, and yeah he, because you th- kept putting this one off because it was the hardest one. It was,
2: yeah. and you assholes had your own version. <laughs> yeah. Come on, oh, yeah. sing it, sing it.
0: City on the edge of forever. There it is. Nice, Sandy. Nice. But,
3: you're gone. but there's also. City on the edge of forever <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> so there were multiple versions before I finally figured out how to write this song. Um, but it was uh, it was not only the pressure of writing something, a song for something that, I mean, ostensibly everyone was anticipating mm-hmm. hearing what I did, but it was also trying to get the feel of it right, uh, which that's what that's what really took me so long cuz i knew what, I i had a pretty good idea what i wanted to do i just didn't know how to do it and make it sound the way i wanted to, it to sound so and actually for the song i gained inspiration from the episode itself because there's a there's a scene where Edith and and um Kurt go on a date and they're walking down the street hand in hand in Mayberry in in Mayberry chatting and Whatnoting. And uh, they walk by this <clears throat> this window display, and there's a song playing, and I wrote it down so I didn't forget. It's called Good Night Sweetheart by Fred Steiner, which Fred Steiner, I, I looked him up on Amazon Music, apparently has all these, a lot of score scoring for Star Trek, the original series. I, hmm. I mean, oh, really? Yeah. Which oh, really? I don't, I, I mean, it's credited to him. I don't know if, I'm not sure, but uh, and in fact, there's one of the things that it, uh, is on there is the theme song, which I know he didn't write, but maybe it was just his orchestration been, the, the of it or arrangement or something. Most likely, could be. Yeah. At any rate, that's what I and it's kind of this. Um, what was it? The the 50s? I mean, the 60s in the show. This really the it was, song they used I, was from it was, the. It was. It was. It, was, it, was, the, the t- it takes place in
3: 1930. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, that's it's, right, because it was the, before World War II. The, the that's 30s. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So it had, um, that's kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to capture the feel of that song, although what I what I wrote, you wouldn't, you can't listen to it and, you know, hear, oh, yeah, that's the influence, but that's kind of what the direction I, I was trying to go. And when I, when I latched onto that, that's when it just started coming together you know and I got that w- kind of waltzy feel and and it just happened <laughs> and then I wrote too many words and you guys told me to
0: <laughs> that, I was going to ask about too many that, of the Chris, same words I couldn't remember if this is the first song that I just consciously thought Chris Chris <laughs> says the name of the episode too many times <laughs> or well... or if I didn't say anything then and then when you submitted Metamorphosis, I thought it was developing a pattern, and that's when I said something. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, good we
3: me. we definitely said something on this song mm-hmm. uh, because we already had Squire, which oh yeah, you know he says the name of that several times. Uh, th- that's yeah. right. That's- and and then when this one came, he he dropped this one, and it like the chorus. It's like four lines and three of them are the name yeah. of the episode repeated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
2: have my original notes and and the original version of this. And the chorus is literally City on the Edge of Forever. The um, I long to be in that city with you. The third line of the chorus mm-hmm. is the same and it remained the same, but everything else was City on the Edge of Forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, <clears throat> we were... We, we actually practice it that way for a while yeah. and then I think Noah was like you got to change that <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to do something different and I'm glad I did because I I like what I came up with and it made it um it just gave it more depth I think than yeah. and and yeah, it made it a yeah. little more interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. and I I have I mean this this was early on when I was taking notes I have two notebook sheets back to back just full of yeah. just these notes that I took Oh, just n- notes on the
1: episode, or just yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay. like
2: synopsis and like notes and things that I noticed, just yeah. s- to try to so I could go back and be like, oh yeah, this this idea. What
1: what what what, I hit, what do I want to hit on in this these yeah. lyrics? Yeah, yeah. yeah some,
3: Sometimes it's hard because uh, yeah. you know, there's there's either way too much to work with or not enough, and you're just trying mm. yeah. to yeah. find that inspiration.
2: You're, you're thinking of empath, aren't you? Yes, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's my
2: savage curtain. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, <clears throat> I. Uh, Actually, you know, a lot of times I try to pick out um specific lines that I can use for mm. for lyrics. Mm-hmm. And in this one, uh what I, I picked out um, you know, what's so funny about man reaching for the moon. She said. She said, yeah. She said.
3: <clears throat> and she
2: said? She said yeah. <laughs> she said.
3: She so said. She said in this song.
2: I wanted it, I wanted it to be kind of as bleak as the episode and sad and and uh, you know just this melancholy song about this woman. It's kind of a a, a you know this ode to Edith Keeler, mm-hmm. but in the end, I also wanted it to have a little bit of positivity because she was such an I mean for a short time she was such an inspiration to Kirk. Yeah, Because he he found this woman who she was so forward thinking, mm. which in a time where she lived was unusual and definitely not respected. Yeah. So he found this woman that really uh, gave him uh, a different perspective on, I mean, from the time, which I guess it's a little unusual because from the time where he came from whence he came.
1: There
2: you go. Um it would be normal for a woman to have these big ideas and be respected for them. But I guess in the context of where he was, knowing that she wouldn't be respected there for for her ideas, then, um, I mean, because we all know that Kirk is a scholar of history. Oh, obviously. (laughs) He's no Picard. No. When it comes to history. Uh, Anyway. He knows some things. He knows some things. But anyway... I wanted I wanted there to be that positivity because she had this positive effect on him, and so you know this this short quote at the end of the song where she's you know she's like what's so funny about man reaching for the moon this is something that speaks to Kirk so much that I that's what that's how I wanted to take it out you know I didn't want to be like oh she's dead I wanted to be like oh she's dead. But look what she left us. You know what I mean. Right. Her, her This is kind of her legacy. Well, so. I mean, uh,
1: unless you're unless you're one of the patrons of the mission, and then they're all just like highly annoyed that every single night she's going to get up on the stage and talk about planets and space <laughs> and stuff. That's right. Yeah. Now it's time to pay for your dinner. Yeah. Yeah. You got to listen. Oh no, What was the line that the the guy at the table says? Like 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 heh, heh. she says she, she's pretty easy
2: to look at, but boy, yeah. <laughs> well you like, know damn. one of the things I love about this episode is it's so grounded. There's no a- I mean uh, except for the the guardian, I guess. There's no aliens. It's mm. there's there's not I mean there are sci-fi gadgets but you know <laughs> all the spock's tubes. Spock putting the you know putting together the that um it's like basically like a battery
1: pack for the tricorder. And he,
2: he says he's using like bear skin and so knives nice. so nice. so nice. and bearskins. bearskins yeah. and, I mean, you know, he's very curmudgeonly in this episode. Uh, well, I mean, he he, he was obviously Chinese. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, <laughs> yeah was, that's right. I was watching it with with my girlfriend last night, and I was like, and her and her sister, and I was like, I was like, just wait, wait for this line. I was like, my friend is obviously Chinese. <laughs> I was like,
0: ah,
2: yes, because the, of the yellow makeup, which we all know. Yeah,
0: Ooh.
2: yeah, it's it's a. That's a thing,
0: and the eyebrows. Don't forget the eyebrows. Yeah, the well, eyebrows. and the
1: ears because that was part of a rice oh, yeah. picking rice picking accident.
2: accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we're all in agreement uh, that they didn't always get it right. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but this, I mean, I love this episode. I think it's a great episode. I think again, it's very grounded. It's a very human story, and so, it's very relatable.
0: Uh, Chris, I, I of course didn't know when you were writing the song i didn't quite know where how how you were going to handle it because yeah it has a lot of has a lot of weight to it um and i i knew you would pay it the respect it deserved but part of me um was was sort of secretly hoping that you would just shock everybody and do something ridiculous in the vein of um, so, uh, Mojo Nixon has a song called "Don Henley Must Die." Oh yeah, uh-huh. and and I thought since that's a theme of the episode, that Edith Keeler must die. That that would like <laughs> that would like be a line that was repeated in your in your thing. Um, but I, I, I knew you weren't really going to go that direction. Well, but, no. I of me mean, <laughs> secretly hoped that uh, you would just shock everybody with this ridiculous uh, uh, version. We
2: repeating. still. Oh, a, an, uh, an alternate version for mm-hmm. our Kickstarter from like six years ago, <clears throat> Mr. Fark. Well, the,
1: right. the, 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 the lyrics that I have are kind of along those lines that, that
2: Noah <laughs> was just
0: talking about, though. So Edith Keeler must die. Stick it exists. In her eye.
2: It yep. does exist. And yep. someday, maybe, we'll see. <laughs> if Andy ever finishes it, oh, we'll, we'll get to hear it. It's going to be a bitch to finish. So that's a no.
0: It might even be we'll it see might, what we can it, do. Might, it <laughs> might even be harder to start, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And even harder to finish.
2: Yeah, I, I um I went through a lot of ideas, but I think most of them centered around uh just because of the gravity of the episode and how beloved it is beloved, beloved, beloved beloved it is, I didn't wanna I didn't want to make it "quote unquote" offensive to anyone. I just wanted to be respectful to the episode. Which I think it worked out. Mission accomplished. Definitely.
1: So,
0: Chris, let me ask you this: So I was being safe.
1: Yes, (laughs) you played it safe, surgeon. Yeah, Yeah.
0: having had uh, having had many uh, kind of these weighty fan favorite episodes, um, do you prefer? to not have them or do you you like, or, or do you prefer the episodes that don't have as much weight? I, I personally do. I personally find them a little, they're a little more freeing to, for the episodes that are sort of don't have that weight attached to them. Um, but I was ul- curious how, how you feel.
2: Ultimately in the end, it doesn't matter because I'll just write the song just, you know, the way I would for, for the episode, yeah. but in the beginning, I hate it. I mean, well, that's not right. That's, that's not true. I don't hate it. I just, it, it just feels, it's it, it stressful. It feels, it feels
1: like a daunting task Yeah, has been put upon yeah, you. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. pressure. Yeah, and, you, have, you have a lot to live up to with right. like the heft of those particular episodes. Yeah.
2: I mean, I originally pulled Trouble with Tribbles for uh, year three. Yeah. but so, then yeah. And then we decided to do the EP. Mm-hmm. But initially, you know, I had pulled it, and I'm just thinking, oh, man, <laughs> what am I? You know, there's another one I got to do that's going to be uh, a big one. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, it's kind of fun to. It's a challenge, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I do like that, but I am, you know, afraid of screwing it up a little bit. So <laughs> it's it's kind of double edged sword there.
0: I think we should also mention that. uh that we reworked this song, uh, uh, did a, a fast version that we play live or have played live many mm-hmm. times in mm-hmm. in in the past couple of years when we actually played live. Um, <laughs> and so some people may have heard that, and some people listening may not have heard the fast version that we've done. live. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, although um, that was on our live, but There's not on our live, live album.
1: Patreon exclusive, Patreon album. exclusive yeah. album.
0: Yeah. 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 So. Here's yeah. our Patreon plug right there. There you go. That right way right in the
1: middle of the show. Yeah.
0: That Good
2: version I, I don't I don't think there was any logic behind it as far as we didn't have a, any special agenda with it. We just decided um we wanted to see if we could rock it out, <laughs> just because we well, wanted another. Well, yeah. It was
1: it was really one of those songs that we were just kind of messing around with, where like we'll do different versions in practice yeah. and be like, yeah. oh, uh, "Let's just play this really fast," or like, "Let's do this one super slow," or let's do this one jazzy. jazzy. This happened to be <laughs> one of the ones that it was like, "That's actually pretty."
3: Good. Yeah,
2: that kind of works.
3: Well and, and people were always requesting it. Yeah, that's a lot. And, and, yeah. and it's kinda yeah. hard to put that in the middle of a set where all the other songs are, are bangers and you got this yeah. one that's just like kills the mood altogether. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And quite D- frankly, D- it's uh, well, I mean, it's so fast it it it's difficult to sing it with uh like sing it really well because when we do it really fast. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot easier to sing when it's slower.
4: hmm
2: but it's, um, it's a lot longer. <laughs> when it's when it's slower. Yeah. And so it's a little more. I think it's actually a little more exhausting to do it that way. Um,
1: and we've we've done the regular version, of like acoustic sets acoustic, that we've yeah. done. Yeah, 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 so yeah. It makes sense more there. A few
2: times, yeah. 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 yeah, but I I enjoy doing it the fast way, um, because it's all it almost it kind of changes the quality without changing the song, you know, mm-hmm. because it's still, it's almost like, um, you're sing you know, you're singing this, uh, anthem to Edith Keeler, you know, it's like this sad anthem that is, but it's, it's this kind of dedication and it's almost, uh, you know, it's kind of like if you were, this was for you, Edith. Yeah. Like if you, well, I mean, I mean, if you were, uh, lamenting Edith Keeler, it's another one of the emotions that you would have, you know, this kind of yeah. sad anger, you know, mm-hmm. almost. So it, I, I, I kind of like it from that perspective, too. Yeah.
0: Did we get the fast version recorded, like in the Scare Quotes studio? Not studio recording. I don't no. think so. No. Okay. Because I know yeah. we, have lo- we have several alternate versions of stuff that hasn't been released yet. That is, We did is- get
1: the studio version of uh, Patrick's Menagerie. Yes. which yeah. is to, to be released
0: yeah
2: I think that's as far as we've gotten on that. All right, <laughs> I think so we have we have several songs that are pieces in, in yeah in the middle of in recording works. yeah yeah
0: yeah anything else on City guys I really like the
3: the bass line I came up with for it of course you'd say that of yeah. course you do
0: <laughs>
3: well the I like the the little climby thing I do on the chorus <laughs> And uh, when we switched it to the the more rocking version, uh, I kept that as part of it. Mm -hmm. And I play the same thing. It's just, you know, I mean, it's the same notes. It's just slightly different because it's in 4-4 instead of 3-4. But I'm really glad that it fit that, too, because I really liked bringing it over and, like, keeping it as part of the song. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Patrick does some backup vocals on this that... It's pretty, you know. Some sta- just kind of standard behind the chorus, but I, I really like it. It, ma- mm-hmm. it kind of gives it a, a little bit of a extra sweetness,
3: you know. So does his guitar on this song. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really pretty. Yeah, it's it's, I agree. It's, it's it's real
1: like minimalistic, but it still adds like a nice mm-hmm. little tone to the to the fullness of the song.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Patrick, he couldn't be here tonight. I uh, I had invited him, but he he had something going on. But uh he and i are going to get together so he can share uh his oh, okay, his thoughts and memories on this song and uh this seems like a good opportunity to drop that right here hi patrick <laughs> hey mike how's it going all right <laughs> so uh uh we're doing a podcast on uh, City on the Edge of Forever," and just wondered if you had any memories or thoughts about the song or the episode.
6: Yeah, you know, actually, looking back on it, I realized now that like um Menagerie Part Two, which Chris had written for year one um was almost like a trial run for this song in my mind like it they are you know similar tempos um you know the style of the song and just yeah. and you know just even the structure of of the two songs is very similar and i i was thinking how i think Chris's voice is uniquely suited to that type of song yeah and i think any of us any of us could have written you know a song for sitting on the edge of forever and i'm sure it would have been pretty good but i think he did a great job with it and i think he was the right choice to get that sort of feeling that's in the episode you know
3: yeah yeah it, it's funny uh the 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 two songs you mentioned uh menagerie 2 and city uh i think those are two of the only demos that we've ever received that uh pretty much like brought me to tears when i heard them <laughs> cuz you know they're both so yeah. touching and uh also i thought uh especially menagerie 2 i felt could have just been released on the album as it was as the demo that that yeah. one was good uh city needed some work especially yeah. with the, the lyrics but uh Mostly otherwise lyrics <laughs> yeah otherwise it could have been released acoustic also
6: yeah yeah i mean I, I was going through some stuff at the time when we were working on year one i remember and like i would skip menagerie too a lot of the time when i was listening not because i didn't like it but just because it would always make me sad <laughs> it was like very effective <laughs> so you know i I kind of gotten past that by the time we did your two, but <laughs> for the first <laughs> one, I was like, "Well, skipping that song again." <laughs> but it, it just sh- goes to show how how well done it was. You know what I mean? That it could make you feel that way. You know? Yeah. And he did the same. He did the same thing on "City on the Edge Forever." I thought that one I really enjoyed doing a lot of the little guitar melody things on the choruses, and also let like really close falsetto singing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of. I don't know if "fun" is the right word because of the song, but it was—it was a—it was, was one of the high points for me on year two. I think was working on that one, and also especially as we've talked about before, you know that is like the sort of ultimate TOS episode that everybody was kind of waiting to hear what the song was going to be. So
3: yeah, yeah, Chris, Chris talked about how much pressure it was c- considering mm-hmm. the weight of that episode, Um yeah. and that's why it was one of the last ones. That was finished for the album because he had yep. he he took his time and I think it paid off.
6: Yeah, definitely. I I remember hearing the demo where it was pretty much just Edith Keeler, Edith Keeler, <laughs> Edith Keeler, Edith Keeler. <laughs> Probably need to add something else in there. Not that it isn't good, but <laughs> <laughs> the melody was great, you know what I mean? And um the structure was good. And I think we made the the sparse arrangement work, you know what I mean? Yeah. And of course then we had um Maggie Davis come in and play on it
4: uh-huh right
6: yeah uh, and she she I, also played in devil in the dark yeah uh, but she really did a lot on this one and it sounded yeah. great uh
3: actually i'm glad you brought that up because uh we we forgot to talk about that so yeah um yeah i mean i thought about it beforehand but then it never came up during the conversation so i'm glad you remembered to to mention that um yeah,
6: yeah she, she's, she's a really really gifted musician
3: yeah. And I like yeah.
6: on devil in the dark too, but I know this is the one that she actually like prepared for and worked up uh-huh. a part for and, and oh, yeah. it turned out really well. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. It's just, I, I think I mentioned it back in the day, you know, that I was always Chris kept getting like the most well-known episodes every time we drew <laughs> episodes and I was a little annoyed about it for a while, but then I realized too, that it, a lot of, oftentimes it would be more fun to write about the, lesser episodes you know like uh-huh. i could do anything i wanted you know on on some of those you know, yeah. early ones like charlie x or whatever <laughs> whereas uh you know sitting on the edge of forever people are like waiting for it you better not let them down
3: you know? <laughs> Yep. yeah there's a lot less pressure for uh a song like the mark of gideon
6: yeah <laughs> i've gone through several different versions of that <laughs> but anyway just for the heck of it but but yeah it's not because of pressure, it's just getting it how I want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, that one has transformed quite a bit. But that's another story.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on the, on the episode of City on the Edge of Forever?
6: I mean, I don't know what I can say about it that hasn't already been said. You know what sure. I mean? It's a lot more personal of an episode than almost anything they ever did. You know? Mm-hmm. So it really kind of sticks with you and people remember it. I mean, there's so many episodes that are kind of by the numbers. I mean, good. But you know, kind of the same plot over and over again, like we've talked about and joked about. But that yeah. one, you know, really kind of you have to sit with it. And it like it, once you've seen it, it kind of doesn't go away. You know, it really kind of sets a mood and it kind of yeah. keeps it there. And any any love interest Kirk might have after that, you're always comparing it to that episode, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. like, well, she's she's not as good as Edith Keeler for <laughs> <You> no. <know? laughs>
3: Even even so, if he seems more upset at this person's death, she's no, still yeah. not as important to eat as Edith Keeler.
6: Yeah, it <laughs> never is tragic.
3: All right, well, uh, thank you for, for, for joining us for, uh, for City on the Edge of Forever. It's great to be here. And that's what Patrick had to say about City on the Edge of Forever.
1: All I know is that you have maybe used brushes on this sock, and I'm still annoyed by it, but it worked.
3: What a what a baby!
2: I am.
1: I hate, I hate, what a I hate baby!
4: Brushes. I hate brushes. I
1: hate brushes. I hate the I hate the weird tiny sticks. You're a percussionist. <laughs> no,
2: yeah. I'm a drummer. You're a percussionist.
4: Percuss. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have to do a
0: lot of bleeping if he percusses. That's right. <laughs> so, not only did
2: I have three "City on the Edge of Forevers" in the chorus. But every single verse was Edith Keeler, Edith Keeler, and then a line, and then Edith Keeler, Edith Keeler, and then a line. Every That's single verse what it was. Had Edith yes. Keeler four times. Yeah. And I went back and I took out the third line of every verse and replaced it with different words. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I, re- I remember that. Adjusted here and there That's to make it was. things make sense. It wasn't just oh, yeah. the
0: name of the episode. It was, yeah. you also said Edith Keeler a lot. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. that now.
2: I said Edith Keeler like twelve times in a span of like a three minute song, and then I said "City on the Edge of Forever" uh, probably nine times <laughs> or so. So it was basically Edith Keeler, "City on the Edge of Forever," and that was it. And then like there were four other words in it.
0: Now, if you had said Edith Keeler must die that many times, that I probably would have been all a right. different story. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, fine. That's
2: that's perfectly fine. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to write that song, regardless of whether or not Andy ever finishes his
1: <laughs> which is, it. Which just needs the music. It's just going to be a pain in the butt because it's going to require like
2: yeah he twelve
1: said. twelve different pieces of percussion. And oh wait, I thought you weren't a
2: percussionist. I thought you were just a drummer.
1: For
0: this, <laughs> oh. I will I will be a percussionist.
2: So he can be a percussionist.
1: I
0: see. It's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice.
2: Interesting. You made I wish a people choice.
1: See my face right now. What I wish we could see is, like, an actual filmed version of of, uh, Ellison's original story, because I had forgotten how very different it is. Like, in the, in, like, in the, because I was looking in, of course, Memory Alpha. Yeah. It's a, it's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to every single episode of Star Trek. it's been a
2: while since I've read it, so I don't remember exactly.
1: Well, because in the, in the original story outline that, that Ellison wrote, uh, McCoy wasn't even in this episode and the, the the crewman that went crazy was a guy named Beckwith. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, who went crazy and murdered a fellow crewman named LeBeck. That's right. Uh, because... A bunch of Becks. Uh, Beckwith was dealing drugs amongst the crew. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: And so uh, LeBeck ah. was going to out him so instead of, you know, getting caught and going into the brig for a while... That's right. He decided to just murder him. Straight up murder him
0: dang
1: and then like and, then, like, and, and, and then and on then, then once Trek. it all came out kirk actually ordered his execution that's Ooh. insane like imagine how dark of an episode that would have been yeah it's dark enough as it is yeah exactly yeah it's so crazy oh
2: you know what i love about i mean i like a lot of things about this episode but when at the end when uh bones comes out of that doctor's office or wherever he is he comes out into the street and kirk and spock see him and they rush over to him it's like the like the buddiest thing i've ever seen they're like oh they're so excited yay and they're like clap like hugging and clapping it's it's hilarious it seems very um juxtaposed to what's going on in the episode it's it's funny anyway
1: yeah what's what's also funny is that uh Apparently Gene Roddenberry actually objected to the uh, the drug usage in Ellison's original script because he because he didn't think that you drug usage would still be a problem in the 23rd century especially among
2: starship crew. Interesting. I I appreciate Roddenberry's effort to idealize the future. Mhm. However, there are things that just are never going to go away. Mm-hmm. Oh and uh, Joan people Co- need them drugs,
3: not so, with right? that attitude, not with that
2: attitude. <laughs> <laughs> people are people, man.
1: And apparently uh, jo- Joan Collins uh, credits her then four-year-old daughter, Tara. For her decision to, to actually appear on Star Trek oh. because her daughter oh, yeah. her daughter was a fan.
2: I did know that. And and for context, Joan Collins is who we were talking about earlier when we said that we met her, which we <laughs> yeah. didn't. We were Annie and I were doing an interview. We're sitting there, this guy's interviewing us. We're in the middle of this interview, and Joan Collins and her handler come through, and she was <laughs> just not intrad- interested in us being there at in all. Her, she her, was
1: with her sunglasses on indoors, <laughs> yeah. no windows anywhere near her.
2: She, she seemed a little perturbed that they had that they had brought her through the room where you know humans Some were nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was our that was our brush with Joan, Joan. Collins. Yeah, she, she 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 walked past our booth
1: once, and then we re- accidentally ran into her while while doing an interview.
2: I'm sure she's delightful.
1: I'm sure she is. She was she was, she was com- completely lovely on stage yeah. during during her panel. Yeah. But then, oh man, our run-ins with Harlan Ellison. We've talked about him on the show before. Yeah, he was great. Oh my God, that guy. Oh man, he well, was a trip. I mean, it's like and he
2: was one of the, f- you know, I mean, we meet a lot of really nice people. Yeah. But he was super friendly, and he oh, didn't yeah. have to be. Yeah. And he has this, you know, I mean, I know this word is used a lot around him, but he has this very acerbic. Quality about him, Yeah, and it's so it's so fun. It was so fun to watch he and uh, Walter Koenig together because they're yes. so they you know they were really good friends, and um, it, it's just it's just too bad that that he's no longer with us because he yeah. just you know this very interesting, fun mind. I still will
1: never forget standing in the hallway between the stage and our green room. And just hearing this noise coming from like out in the auditorium, just like a, and like, I was looking at Adam who runs creation. I was like, what is that? And it just kept getting louder and louder and louder. And all of a sudden Harlan Ellison's like little hover around rascal scooter comes crashing (laughs) through the doors, leading, leading to the backstage hallway. And I was like, Harlan, you okay? He was like, Oh boy, let me tell you. <laughs> Last night I stayed out a little too late. They just rode me hard and put me away wet.
2: Why do you have a weird accent? Because
1: <laughs> that's what—that's how he was talking. And then I, I looked at him and I go, I was like, "Well, you're in Vegas, so luckily enough, you know, you didn't have to pay pay a lot of money for that, like they like they normally charge you out here." And he laughed so hard it made my day. Wow, so good. That's like one of my one of my favorite memories of him. Him and him and the visual of me looking over to my left as we're playing Walter and him out onto the stage with back in the USSR and, and they come dancing. out dancing forehead <laughs> oh, yeah. to forehead that was through fun. the holodeck doors.
3: Oh, so good. <laughs> we got good memories. Got them. I'd love to have more memories. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Adam. Well, you're getting old.
4: Yeah.
3: last <laughs> <Don't we laughs> forever. like 5 year mission. And do you like getting exclusive content? You should head over to Patreon right now and visit 5 year mission because we've got all the exclusive content that you're not getting on any other social media. There's videos, pictures, sometimes we post news there before we post it anywhere else, behind the scenes of us working on albums and podcasts, and sometimes just pictures of us goofing off that we don't put anywhere else, only on Patreon. And there are many options to choose from. You could be a Lieutenant Commander You can be a captain. You can even be an admiral. Each of those comes with their own special perks. One of the perks of being an admiral is that you get to be a producer on this podcast. Currently, our producers are Carol Jones, Jen Tift, Helen Lake, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Roxy and Becky, Debbie Reinke, Madison Rachel Jones, and Jim Morehouse. So what are you waiting for? Go to Patreon slash Five Year Mission right now. That's the number five year mission. And sign up. It's that easy.
5: The name, you know the product, you know what I'm gonna talk about. It's fan sets, of course. You know what? They got all kinds of cool stuff from Star Trek to DC Comics to Ultraman to Irwin Allen. But of course, you know we're gonna talk about Star Trek. You know, they got that Tom Paris plate pin, you know, Tom Paris from Voy, you know, from his appearance on Star Trek Lower Deck, you know, that's pretty awesome, which I still I still need to personally order. Uh, you can also get the Strange New Worlds uh, Ship Memorial Set. Ooh, that thing is fancy as hell. Go on over and get that. Put it in your cart. Add some danglers to it. Add some, add some, uh, some display sets. You know, head on over there. Fill up your cart. Add in the word TREK GEEKS upon checkout. All caps, no spaces, TREK GEEKS. Get 10% off of your entire order. And remember, if you spend $30 or more, you get free shipping. Fansets, our Pinsap character, and we thank Fansets for sponsoring each and every episode of 5-Year Mission, the podcast.
4: She said, 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 she said.
3: And I now say, we're back.
1: Chris, can you just answer that real quick? What is so funny about man reaching for the moon? I mean, c- c- come up with one funny thing about man reaching for the moon. Each of us will come up with one funny thing about man reaching
2: for the moon. Well, what if you, you know, reach for the moon and like grabbed it? Then what would you do? I don't know. What would you do with all that power? You would have like a moon. But what if you reach for it and you got the moon and it's like the size that you, re- you know, it's but- like. Do you, Perspective do you want size. the
3: moon, Alice? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll, 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 I'll reach up there and lasso that moon for you. <laughs> oh, it's my best, Jimmy Stewart. <sighs> Noah, now now's your now's your chance. You have to come up with one funny thing about man reaching for the moon.
2: There's really nothing funny about it. I mean, that's the point. It just says you. Oh. There's got to be one funny thing. All right. Well, we haven't found it yet, Noah.
0: I think it would be funny. <laughs>
3: podcast. If anyone is interested in listening to more of our music, check us out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere that you can listen to music. Just search for Five-year Mission and we will be the first thing that pops up. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at fiveyearmissionband at gmail.com. You can also find us at fiveyearmission.net and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
4: <laughs>
2: I think we found a good edit point.
4: <laughs> no, Mike's that not, get, not cut. up with one. <laughs> that,
2: that gets rocket to the moon, no,
3: a whole new meaning. Noah's
2: saying, I think it would be funny, cut.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Done. Continued that, on Patreon. That might have to be it. <laughs>